G'day everyone, I'm your mate Nate. Strap yourself in for your weekly dose of money, politics and truth. Together, we look at high-impact stories that you may have heard of, but have never truly been told. From historic Kerry Packer tales to longer deep dives into the true origins of the welcome to country phenomenon. I'm your mate Nate, and get ready to rethink the way you look at the world around you. It said there are two certainties in life, death and taxes. But this is the story of how two titans of the global mining industry found a way to dodge one of the certainties. Private deals, offshore companies, billions of dollars, and a legal battle that would last years. I'm your mate Nate, and this is the story of the Singapore Sling. From 2006 to 2014, China began to flex its muscles on the global stage, stepping up to take its seat with the likes of Russia and the US. The nation's ambition to become a global superpower was no longer a distant dream, but a tangible goal. And to fuel this meteoric growth, the country's hunger for resources became insatiable. Coal and iron ore would be the key building blocks for the Eastern Empire. The world would witness a surge in demand. Australia, rich in both coal and iron ore, found itself at the epicentre of a mining boom. A boom so significant it hadn't been seen since the gold rush of the 1850s. The price of Australian coal skyrocketed, leaping from a modest $40 a tonne to a staggering $180 a tonne all in less than a decade. As chance would have it, perfectly positioned to ride this wave were two mining companies, BHP and Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto began on the riverbanks of Spain in 1873. Over the decades, it clawed its way to prominence, evolving into one of the world's leading mining companies. Its operations are now as diverse as they are widespread, from aluminium to iron ore, from diamonds to salt. Rio Tinto's reach extends across the globe. BHP, on the other hand, is an Australian success story, a humble hometown hero that went international. Beginning its journey in the small town of Broken Hill in 1885, it grew into a force to be reckoned with. Opening up shop in North and South America, Asia, the Pacific, Africa, and Europe in the world of mining, it's an amazing company. In Australia though, they aren't just companies, they're powerhouses that have shaped laws, environmental policies, and trade agreements. They've driven infrastructure development and economic growth on a scale that's hard to comprehend. Their influence extends far beyond the mines and into the halls of government. Together, they command over 11% of the Australian Stock Exchange, with BHP standing as the largest company towering over the second place Commonwealth Bank by $60 billion in market cap. They are more than just businesses. They are national icons, symbols of Australia's wealth and prosperity. They are the lifeblood of the Australian economy as it stands. Their success during the mining boom was colossal, raking in billions, but with great wealth, it became increasingly difficult to keep all the money. The Australian tax office and its 30% corporate tax gnawed at the profits of both companies. It was a financial hurdle which needed a solution and fast. In the boardrooms of BHP and Rio Tinto, whispers began to grow. They were titans of the industry, masters of their sport, and they weren't about to let the tax man play referee. They needed a plan, one which kept their profits high and their taxes low. 
So over the next few months, the hunt for an offshore solution began and their company's closes struck gold. Over the next eight years, the companies would engage in what the media would later dub a sweetheart deal. The Singaporean tax authorities, seduced by the allure of the mining giants conducting business in their country, they would only tax 0.002% on all profits made in Singapore, the equivalent of just $20 for every million dollars in profit, a rate lower than anywhere else on the planet. Singapore was the perfect fit, a bustling financial hub with a Wall Street culture. Further, the companies were now even closer to their number one customer, China. The plan was brilliant, but there was one problem. How would they sell their Australian resources to China through Singapore? Enter the Singapore Sling. The name itself is a nod to the famous cocktail. This one was a sweet blend of clever tactics and audacious strategy, all ready to be served. The first step was to set up subsidiary companies in Singapore. However, these weren't just ordinary subsidiaries. They were marketing hubs, and they were the key of the entire operation. These hubs would buy the iron ore from the Australian mines at a low price, meaning Rio and BHP were literally selling resources to themselves to ship it out of Australia. They would try to make a small profit from this sale, large enough so that the ATO wouldn't become suspicious, but small enough so that they paid next to nothing in Australian tax. Once the resources were in Singapore, the marketing hubs would turn around and sell it to the world at the real price. This profit would then be taxed in Singapore, not Australia. This was the genius of the Singapore sling. By shifting the profits offshore, BHP and Rio Tinto could take advantage of Singapore's significantly lower tax rate. And so instead of paying the 30% to the ATO, they'd be paying a mere fraction of that in Singapore. It was a move that would go on to save them billions but the scheme wasn't just about saving money. It was also about positioning. By setting up the marketing hubs in Singapore, BHP and Rio Tinto were placing themselves closer to Asia, selling to South Korea, Japan, Indonesia, India, and China. This strategic move allowed them to respond quickly to market demands, further boosting their profits. As the scheme began to take effect, the profits started to roll in. Billions of dollars in profits that would have been taxed by the ATO were now being taxed in Singapore at a fraction of the cost. BHP would go on to make $5.7 billion in profits through the loophole, paying only 15,000 USD a year in tax. But back in Australia, questions were now starting to be asked. The ATO was sniffing around. There was a clear drop in tax revenue from two of the country's biggest companies. Something wasn't adding up and they were determined to find out what. As the ATO began to dig deeper, the full extent of the Singapore sling scheme started to come into focus. The audacious plan, the offshore profits, the billions lost in tax revenue, it was a revelation that would send shockwaves through the Australian government and the public. In 2015, an Australian Senate inquiry into tax avoidance by BHP and Rio Tinto, other multinational corporations operating in Australia, commenced. The inquiry found that both BHP and Rio Tinto were using marketing hubs in Singapore to sell their commodities. The Senate committee found that this practice allowed them to shift profits to Singapore with a tax rate was lower. It also concluded that these practices constituted aggressive tax avoidance and the ATO should investigate further. But the companies defended their actions, arguing that they were in compliance with Australian and international tax laws. To put a stamp on the matter, the Australian government, headed by then Prime Minister Tony Abbott, passed legislation bringing a halt 
to the tax avoidance schemes. The hole had been plugged, but now it was time to get their money back. The ATO launched audits into the companies, and after several years in 2017, the ATO concluded BHP owed a staggering $1 billion. It consisted of $600 million of unpaid taxes and $340 million of interest and penalties. Throughout 2017, BHP maintained its position claiming that they did nothing wrong in relation to their marketing hubs, and they were initially happy to dispute the ATO's claim and take the matter to court. However, the longer the proceedings dragged on, it became obvious the ATO were not backing down. The clock was ticking. The more BHP disputed the matter, the more interest the company was guaranteed to pay. Finally, after legal fees began to skyrocket, the mining titan caved. In 2018, BHP and ATO reached an out-of-court settlement. The ATO would agree that legitimate operations in Singapore did actually occur, and BHP would agree to pay a lesser amount of $529 million, consisting of $145 million worth of interest and $76 million in penalties. Yet the saga didn't end there. Ongoing ATO investigations would then go on to allege an additional $87 million was owed by BHP and the dispute couldn't be resolved. It had to then be taken to the courts again. In the first hearing, the Administrative Appeal Tribunal ruled in favour of BHP and set aside the ATO's findings as a major success for BHP. However, the ATO subsequently appealed and in early 2019, the majority of the full federal court found that the lower tribunal had made an error and the ATO was actually correct. In a desperate final move, BHP took their case to the highest legal authority in Australia, the High Court, but their efforts were futile. In 2020, the High Court ruled unanimously against BHP, holding them liable for an additional $87 million in tax. The judgment brought the total cost of their Singapore sling scheme to a staggering $616 million Australian dollars. As for Rio Tinto, the saga dragged on even longer. The ATO didn't finalise its assessment of the total tax liability until 2022. This was because the mining behemoth was engulfed in a web of other controversial tax practices. The final conclusion was the same as BHP, a staggering $1 billion in unpaid taxes. The Singapore sling scheme accounted for around half of the overall figure, with the ATO finding that $447 million should be paid relating to the years that the marketing hubs operated. The Titans had been invested and the price for their audacious plan was paid in full. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're a new listener, we've got episodes coming out every Tuesday and Thursday morning. Can't wait to catch you in the next one, guys.